Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Greetings. You've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com. You can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Good morning, good afternoon, depending upon where you are. Welcome to VUC number 543, which features Big Blue Button. And uh, But before we get into that, I should like to... Uh, give a shout out to a couple of events that we have that will be um, coming up shortly. Uh, beginning with uh, TADHack, which is uh, in the middle of June, uh, focused on telecom developers and hacking telecom APIs. It's principally um, the main event is going to be in Lisbon, but in fact there are going to be events all around the world, so check out tadhack.com and you'll be able to uh, find out how you can join in. Um, following that, chronologically, we have early August ClueCon, which is hosted by the group behind FreeSwitch. They will be pre presenting their latest and greatest, and we'll be talking about FreeSwitch this hour, I'm sure. Um, their event is in Chicago. It is by developers, for developers, and it is a good time, also educational. A little further down the year, Digium will be presenting AstraCon, October 13th through 15th in Orlando, Florida. This is the premier event for the Asterisk user and developer community. Um, if you're at all in any way involved in, in, the, in the Asterisk uh, space, this is the place to go. And so, hi, I'm Michael Graves, and I am Stepping in for Randy, who is in Berlin with many of our regulars at Camellia World this week. There's a chance that Randy may join us, um, but bandwidth at conference is being what it is, and also schedules and whatnot. It's not really clear whether he'll make it or not. And I should like to say hello to Fred. Hi. Michael. How are you doing, Fred? Fred is project manager with Big Blue Button, and he is in Ottawa, Canada. Now, it's been a long time since we've seen you, Fred, and let's wind it back to the beginning for folks and actually um, take a look at, you know, what is Big Blue Button anyway? So Big Blue Button is an open source web conferencing system for online learning. Our goal is that Every student with a web browser should have access to a high-quality online learning experience, and that's what we intend to deliver with Big Blue Button. That's awesome. Now, Mr. Samsung, thou art muted, um, coming off of ZipDX. Uh, incidentally, while we're here, anybody who's on ZipDX right now, um, if you want to pose a question uh, at some point down the stream, start six to unmute yourself, but for the moment we're going to uh, get back to a little bit more basics about uh, what is Big Blue Button, what's it do, and then we'll move on to a little more about its its current uh, status. So Fred, what do you got for us? Okay, so I thought, just so that I didn't make any assumptions on what people knew or know about Big Blue Button, I have a couple slides I can share with you, actually a few, but I'm going to go through them quickly, and that will give everybody a pretty good update of where we've been doing for the project. It's, Project's been in play for over six years now. It's almost seven years. So if you'd like, I can just share a couple slides for a few minutes, and then I'll probably just answer any questions folks have. Okay, go right ahead. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen, and I'm just going to go to here. 
And I'm going to go view full screen. Okay, so I'll talk for the next probably 15, 20 minutes, but I figure I can give you a pretty good update of the project. And for those of you that saw, the last time we presented on, on VUC was two years ago, so much, is, much good stuff has happened. So just a background, uh, there is a strong trend for educational institutions to move towards online learning. Just some stats, there's about 4,500 degree-granting institutions in North America alone, about 25,000 secondary schools, and that's just in the United States. Like there's, there's a lot more worldwide. And there's a huge benefit to students around the world who have access to online learning. So with all markets, you can ask, well, what about open source solutions for doing the conferencing for online? And that is what Big Blue Button, uh, we designed it for, and we've been developing it for and delivering it for. So we believe every student with a web browser should have access to a high-quality online learning experience, and we intend to make that possible with Big Blue Button. And Big Blue Button is open source. Code is available at GitHub. A little background, this project actually started in 2007 at Carleton University. We're based in Ottawa, Ontario, where a lot of the development goes on. You can tell it's a university because they still have a chalkboard. card. The three use cases we designed BigBlueButton for is one-to-one, -one, sort of virtual office hours, tutoring, um, and then small group collaboration, which is kind of similar to this. You have a bunch of people getting together. They're sharing their webcams. Everybody's talking. And then the traditional one-to-many, and that's where a teacher is talking to students. And the teacher could be the context of K-12, could be higher ed, or corporate learning, anytime you want to teach people online. And you'll see in our project we say we recommend it for 50 users or less, it's not hard-coded. There's actually more capacity there. It's just as an open source project, we like to be conservative. And because we're Canadian, we're by conservative by nature. In terms of the capabilities of BigBlueButton, so there's a demo server online, demo.bigbluebutton.org, and anybody can go to it any time. But we do the core of desktop sharing, audio, video, slides, and chat. The client is in Flash. We use audio as of our last release. Uh, it's the WebRTC-based audio. So if you're on Firefox or Chrome, You'll enjoy all the benefits of WebRTC-based audio. If you're using Safari or IE, it just uses seamlessly uses Flash. A couple of screenshots. Here's an example of a layout where you're sharing four HD webcams. Here's an example where you're sharing nine webcams, and one of them is larger. Then an example of sharing nine, more of a checkerboard. And in BigBlueButton, the data all goes through a central server, the BigBlueButton server, and it's recorded. And for, for pedagogic needs, this is important. So if a student is unable to miss a attend a class, wants to review it, they can review it. And we record all the content. It's a synchronized playback of media, the video, the desktop sharing, the audio, and the slides. And all the whiteboard marks come through as SVG. Uh, there's a thumbnail here in the chat. So you can do a lecture online, record it. Students can access it later on. In terms of the project growth, you know, we're on Facebook. We have 4,000 likes. We have 2,500 Twitter followers. I always like to say it's all organic, no special preservatives. We didn't pay anybody to like us. We didn't pay anybody to follow us. Uh, the cool stuff that happens on GitHub, there's about almost 2,500 forks of the project now. It's a very active open source project. We have a developer mailing list as well, Google Groups, BigBlueButton-Dev. Uh, Big I just checked recently, there's almost 2,000 members and lots of traffic through the months. We use TransFX for our localization. The product is now localized into over 60 language, languages, and about 90% of them have, um, well, actually, there's about 20 here that have over 90% localization. Each time we get close to release, the community comes together, makes sure that their, local, their favorite language is localized, and we just pull from TransFX, and that does the localization for the client. We hold two developer summits each year. And it usually uh, bounces back and forth between Brazil, usually in Porto Alegre, and in Canada. So there's a, a number of universities down in Brazil that have really adopted BigBlueButton, and they've got some developers there that have been working on it for a number of years. One of the projects, MCOMP Technologies, actually builds on top of BigBlueButton. So we go down there, and we spend a week with their developers. And then they come up here in Ottawa, and they spend a week with us. And we've been doing this now. This is, we just held our sixth developer summit. Actually, that says four. It should say six. <laughs> In terms of the project, uh, Big Blue Button has a core group of committers who have worked for many years in the project. And unlike a project where you just have committers and you, you accept everything, no. In building a real-time system that has sharing of audio and video, you spend a lot of time on quality. 
So there are three, six people who are involved, and Richard Alam, he's the lead architect. He's the person who initiated the project actually back in 2007 at Carleton University. In terms of adoption, just some things. Uh, lots of universities, universities and colleges use Big Blue Button. Darren Ricketts, University of West Scotland on YouTube, he's got a testimonial. Um, very large universities use it. So here's the University of Florida. They're using Big Blue Button. Another very large university, National University Online. You know, it's one thing to build a web conferencing system, but one of our measures for success is, is it used? Do people actually use it, and is it adoption? And also, not only adoption, but the support effort as well. So, uh, Marianji Duval, the Senior Director of IT, they've switched from a previous solution, uh, which I won't mention, but a previous commercial solution, to an open source solution based on Big Blue Button. And they said after switching, their support tickets dropped from like 50 a month down to six or seven. And from my point of view, from the product management point of view, this is what we're trying to achieve. I would love, my goal is the adoption of Big Blue Button continues to increase, and the support effort to support it or integrate it or extend it continues to drop. Some other uh, usage of it, right now, as we speak, there's an online Moodle conference, iMood. It's hashtag is iMood15. You could take a look at it, and you can see all the tweets. It's a fully online Moodle conference, two concurrent sessions running for I think, three and a half days, over 60 speakers. It's entirely done in Big Blue Button. So people have attended the Moodle courses, they go into the course, they join the session, they watch, just like we're doing here, but with Big Blue Button. And then it's recorded and it's available inside of Moodle afterwards. In the educational market space, integrations, there's a lot of existing systems. Universities, colleges, schools, corporations would already have some system that they would like to integrate Big Blue Button with. So some very popular ones, so WordPress. So we do the WordPress integration, and it's here the stats show it's over 1,000 users in, in use. We keep this up to date with every new version of WordPress. Sakai, uh, an LMS, learning management system, that's in use by many large educational institutions. There's something called the Sakai Meeting Tool. We keep it up to date as well. And, and I should say we, I actually wear, my other hat is I'm involved in a company called Blindside Networks. And we're the company that started the Big Blue Button project. It originated at Carleton. We made it public. We maintain and manage the releases. And we also uh, update a lot of the open source integrations. So we just want the project to grow. So all members of the Big Blue Button community, the universities, the colleges, commercial companies, developers and that, can benefit from it. Other very large commercial LMS vendors, Schoology, integrated the Big Blue Button with their system. Canvas, which has grown remarkably over the last couple of years in structure, integrates Big Blue Button with their system. They call it Canvas Conferences. And Moodle. Moodle is uh, probably one of the most well-known open source web, web, web open source learning management systems. So there's plugins there that uh, I'm the co-developer of one of them. Last 12 months, it's been downloaded over 105,000 times. And I actually look at the stats. You can see the, the actual use of it, the number of sites using it. It's about uh, 2,700 now. So this is just increasing. As Moodle grows, so do people look for a synchronous learning tool to complement the asynchronous. And a lot of them are looking and using Big Blue Button. OK, so let's switch over to the techie side of it now. Just what is Big Blue Button in terms of the architecture? Simply put, there's the front end. Uh, the client would fire up in Flash, and we're working on HTML5 client, which I have a couple screenshots in a moment. There's a back-end server that's built on Red5, an open-source implementation of Adobe Flash Media Server. We use FreeSwitch for the audio, so the voice conferencing is taken care of by FreeSwitch. That includes the WebRTC audio. Redis is in there. We're recording all the content. So after a session's done, we record all the live content, the webcams, the desktop sharing, the audio, the slides, the chat, the whiteboard images. All that gets uh, recorded, and then we have a process to take that and turn it into a playback format. And then the, those playback files are visible through the API calls, which are what the front-end applications use to create meetings, join users, and access the recordings. We just finished our 12th release, call it .90. And we, uh, I have a telephony background. I used to work at a telecommunications company. So for us, my goal Personally, my goal in the project is stability is first. It's stability, usability, features, security, scalability, in that order. So last release, we spent 11 months doing development, and we finished it 
and, uh, all the code was done, and then we spent six months in beta testing. And that meant that we saw a lot of production use of BigBlueButton. A lot of people realize our betas are actually pretty good. And we just continued to improve it and improve it and fix bug after bug, whatever we could do to make it solid. And we just, people ask us on our project, when is the release date for BigBlueButton? And our mantra is we release on quality, not dates. So we just tell people you can see, you can sense when a release is coming as we move through our process. So after six months of development, we had a release candidate. For us, a release candidate is it's done. Everything is finished, and all we do is change the label. We put it out there for two weeks in our community. No, no, uh, no responses in terms of any issues, and we're pretty sure we had the release in hand given the amount of beta testing, and then we released it on April 30th. So uh, that's all up on our website, bigbluebutton.org. You can see it. Lots of good documentation as well. Things that we're working on in the future release, we want to add polling to the Big Blue Button. We want to add closed captioning, very important for students. Can't, you know, we support screeners with JAWS. We also want to support closed captioning. And there's some updates. We're improving the video doc, um, adding more security to it, up the AP, uh, the, uh, extend the API, and we also added webhooks. So third-party applications could register things like, tell me when a user joins the meeting, or tell me when a meeting ends, and they'll get a callback on it. Again, we want to make it easy as possible to integrate with other systems. Couple screenshots of what the new video doc will look like. So if you're in Big Blue Button and you're sharing webcams, you can get some nice layouts of it. Here's an example of where it's just a single strip. Those are four independent videos being shown. And if you want to just focus the videos more than anything else, here's an example. And it will just checkerboard. I saw one instance where there were 21 webcams being shared in Big Blue Button. So there's no hard-coded number on the webcams, just literally whatever bandwidth you have. And bandwidth is getting better over time. We're working on a polling module as well. I won't go into detail on that. This is sort of some things that we're working on for the next release. Let me talk about, if I anticipate what people are going to say, it's like, hey, Big Blue Button's great. You guys seem to do a decent job of it. What about a non-Flash version? So we've been working on an HTML5 client of Big Blue Button for quite a while. Here's a screenshot of it. You can see that it looks much cleaner. And the idea is that for a first release, it will target uh, Basically, a student. The instructors are still going to use the desktop, the web client, but a student would be able to whip out their Android device. And the reason I say Android is we're building on top of WebRTC, so that means Chrome or Firefox, and that means WebRTC support on mobile is good on Android and not so good on iOS. I would love Apple to come out with a uh, WebRTC-supported browser or allow the other browser manufacturers to, uh, to put their own uh, rendering engine inside. But Apple does as Apple does. They seem to be getting very successful. So, you know, if there was a backlash from the community and said, hey, we really want to see a WebRTC support or we're not buying uh, an iPhone, then I think Apple would start to take more interest. But again, we're pragmatics. We do what works. We don't really, we, you know, we look at always improving the product, but we're pragmatics in terms of what, what is the best solution today. We would say WebRTC is the best solution for audio, video, desktop. So our phase one for the HTML5 client is we're going to do two-way audio and chat, be able to view the desktop sharing, view the presenter, advance the slides. In terms of the architecture, again, just briefly, the HTML5 client, we basically are using um, Meteor with MongoDB to handle all the synchronization of clients. And we've done a lot of refactoring in the Big Blue Button backend so that when a user comes in, whether they come in through a Flash client or an HTML5 client, it comes together in the Big Blue Button server. The audio is shared. They all see the same presentation. Our, one of our goals is that the instructor never has to ask, can you see what I'm pointing at? They would always see, the users would always see exactly what the instructor sees. So the upload presentations, annotated, and so on. The phase two, our plans are to do two-way video. And again, we, we're building on top of FreeSwitch. And as Michael alluded, there's lots of good things happening in the FreeSwitch project, which we look at building upon. FreeSwitch project rocks, by the way. We love it. And in the terms of the client, we'll just simply increase the capabilities of the HTML5 client, adding more presentator whiteboard capabilities. And then at some point, we will get parity with the, uh, the, the uh, Flash-based client. And at that point, you know, it's possible that we may just move to a full HTML5 client. That is the direction we're headed in. But there's a lot of people using Big Blue Button today. Students come in, they don't really care what it is that they're running, that's in, uh, in so much as that they can have a really good, high quality online learning experience. So today that's one technology, we're moving to another, and again, we're very pragmatic about it. 
with a very high threshold for the releases to make sure they're really stable. And the product roadmap. So things that we're working on ahead, breakout rooms, this is with my product management hat on, shared whiteboard, synchronized video playback, shared notes. And we're also working on a native iOS and Android client. Our focus right now, though, is on the HTML5 client. We just think that's going to probably have a bigger benefit to our community, but we are also working on native iOS clients, so those on iOS could, could bridge into a big blue button session. But you're going to see more on the HTML5 client in the near term. Other things that some of these are actually not hard to do, like emote icons, but we just focus on so many core things, like let's how can we improve the audio? How can we, you know, and we did so with WebRTC and the, the core features of the product. So some of these things like emote icons, thumbnails for recordings, faster desktop sharing using WebRTC, full screen support, support for right to left, right to left languages. These are all things that are kind of like some of these percolate in the background, and if they get far enough along, we merge them in, and then we make them as part of the next release. Last slide is we have uh, recently updated our documentation, so we know how important it is for other developers to come and see API docs, overview docs, really good installation docs, and so on. So you'll find it at docs.bigbluebutton.org. And that's what I wanted to cover. I wanted to give you as much as I could a quick update on where we are on the project, where we're headed, what we're working on, what our priorities are, how we've been managing the project, where we're headed next. And I would be more than happy to answer any questions folks have. Aha. Well, let's get your camera back so we can see who we're talking to instead of looking at a screenshot of the rest of us. And uh, we'll open up the floor to questions uh, both from the those folks who have joined the Hangout and also to folks from uh, ZipDX who are unmuted and have their audio back now for some time. Um, so my question would be, uh, it's, it's, it's a non-technical question, it's not specific, but um, when last you were here, the HTML5 client was, which is a little over two years ago, it was two years in March, the HTML5 client was an idea. I don't know that there was any code in place yet. But how? What was the experience like with that and and onboarding WebRTC? How, what? All right. So I'll, tell us I'll, about that. I'll talk about WebRTC first. We went through a number of testing. First, we actually used Asterix for WebRTC because before FreeSwitch could support Asterix, or sorry, FreeSwitch could support WebRTC, Asterix had it. So we actually put an Asterix server in front of our FreeSwitch server. So if you install BigBlueButton, you get a FreeSwitch uh, system in there, and then we moved to the Developer builds a free switch, and then we built on top of it. So free switch gives us the WebRTC. What we wanted to do was, uh, hey Ken, what we wanted to do was uh, also make it seamless for users and the client. So we needed uh, from Flash to be able to basically tell the browser, I need you to set up a WebRTC call. So obviously that's SIP. So we did first we use SIPML, then we use uh, JS SIP, and then we moved to SIPJS. And this is over a period of about a year and a half, where FreeSwitch got really good supporting WebRTC. The browsers, they, I mean, they were evolving, right? We had examples where, oh, Chrome or, or Firefox 34 is out and they don't work with WebRTC. Oh, okay, well, we'll just fix it. And, uh, but it was about a year and a half of effort. And I'm very happy with the results because the users click the headset icon. It'll, underneath the hood, determine if they're Firefox or Chrome and use WebRTC. We bring them into an echo test first. Again, this is FreeSwitch, the echo test uh, audio. And that lets them check to see that their mic is working, going all the way to the server, all the way back in the headphones, and then they can join. And we also, uh, we also did a listen-only mode where you can join a big blue button session and you're not actually sharing audio, and there's a single channel that goes into the FreeSwitch server, and then that's rebroadcast out to all the listen-only with... Uh, uh, in big blue button. So then uh, the HTML5 client, so when we spoke two years ago, we were probably already working on it. We've been working on this for over two years. We have rewritten it about three times along the way, going from, I think we used to use Backbone.js and then to Meteor. I think we used to use Bootstrap, now we're using Foundation, and iterative the design. And again, my philosophy is when people see it for the first time, we, we want to have a good first experience, but a lot of refactoring had to go in the back end because we had tied very closely to Flash and the messaging. So now a lot of the messages that get passed back and forth in the server are JSON-based. Uh, we, we use Meteor to handle all the HTML5 clients, and those HTML5 clients connect through SIP 
using SIP.js to free switch. So the audio, is, the audio just fell out. It's like we don't have to do anything with that because that's already well supported. But a lot of work's been going into it. We have a developer builds now of the HTML5 client that anybody can come to docs.bigbluebutton.org, see it, install it, and they would be able to try out the latest builds. And it's under active development. Hey, Brian. There are a few folks who, there's, we have a number of developers working full-time on the HTML5 client. And my goal is once we get the desktop sharing piece in play, uh, so that you can share your desktop in BigBlueButton and the HTML5 clients would see it. Again, it goes back to you never have to ask the students, can you see what I'm looking at? Uh, then you're going to see an HTML5 client become part of the BigBlueButton core. And then we'll just continue to improve it as time goes on. Cool, cool. And and so with all of this evolution, uh, has the rate of uptake and deployment increased? Do you uh, do you have some yes. you know, yes. on the slides? I mean, yeah. So I mean, I go to I go to quite a few educational conferences. I have folks from universities call me up to me and say, "We use Big Blue Button," and I would be like, "Great, we've never spoken to you." Um, there are a number of commercial products, many of them I know of, that have embedded Big Blue Button or parts of Big Blue Button into their commercial offering. They would maybe be a voice conferencing uh, provider, and then they want to add web conferencing. We, with the uh, improvements we added with the benefit in WebRTC, with the localizations that we provide, with the growth in the community, we see an increasing adoption in BigBlueButton, both educational and both from developers who are embedding it inside their systems. And and how does this help you? I mean, you're you're. Uh, do you have like a core user base that are you know basically funding the the project and ensuring that it carries on or, or yeah how, that, how, how does the how does the contributor base grow as the deployed base grows right or in other words how do we eat as we still work on big blue button um, yeah. so I've watched other source open source projects and I watched them struggle where there's very passionate developers but there's no business model behind it and God love them they put their heart and soul into it but maybe there's no means for someone to pay and they would pay for something so uh, Big Blue Button has a small group of developers behind it. Many of them work at commercial companies, or all of them do. The company that started the Big Blue Button project, Blindside Networks, I'm the CEO of the company. So my goal, I wear the two hats. My goal is first build the Big Blue Button ecosystem, and then I turn around and we turn around and offer services and support to that ecosystem, as do other companies do. Uh, they're listed on the BigBlueButton.org website. And we earn money. There's no donation. There's no place you can donate to the Big Blue Button project. I think that's a silly way to run an open source project. Uh, we earn money by providing support and services, and so do other community, other members of the Big Blue Button ecosystem do the same. And we know there's commercial companies. I'll, I'll give you an example. Many times in the past, the commercial companies come to us and said, wow, this is actually pretty good. We'd like to build it into our product, and we need your help. And we'd say, great, we can provide you some professional services. And they would say, great, we want you to build this proprietary component for us, so we only we have it. And then we would say, uh, no, that's not what we do. We will improve the Big Blue Button project for you, and you get to bend it in the terms of, like, if you think integration with other, um, other systems or uh, improvements to the whiteboard are important, those all go back into the open source project because everybody before you, when they contributed to the development, it all went to the open source project. So we're not going to just stop and suddenly we start doing proprietary stuff. We've actually, I don't think we've ever had a company walk away from us and say, well, no, we, we want that. We can always find a middle ground where we'll extend Big Blue Button in a means that gives them, makes it very easy for them to build their proprietary component. So maybe there's an extra API call that gets made or something like that. But we earn money doing it. The, prod, the company builds around Big Blue Button. They generate more revenue as well. And sometimes those turn into long-term support contracts. Um, if you uh, there's there's going to be an announcement coming out in the not in the near term that a very large government organization is actually saving a lot of money with Big Blue Button, and they've been building on top of it for about a year and a half now. And that that made me feel very good because I heard firsthand the story of how they downloaded Big Blue Button. And they're like, wow, let's try out an open source solution. You know, there's lots of commercial vendors out there. And it was like, hmm, this, uh, this actually is not bad. This is our previous release, not the one we just released. And then they started building on it and reviewing it. And over time, they, they decided to build a system upon Big Blue Button to replace a commercial system they were using. And uh, that was very satisfying. So 
I, I think, Michael, we are at a point where we have a really solid product, and I invite anybody to try it out. We have very clear ideas of where we want to go to. We have a business model that allows us to grow the, the company, and it's an open source project where other people can benefit on it. And we're six and a half years into it, and we are, you know, I always used to joke, either we're too stupid to know, you know, either we're really smart and we can figure this stuff out, or we're just too stupid to know how difficult it is, and we just kept banging against it. And I think it's a combination of both. So we see, we continue to see good growth. Excellent, excellent. And and uh, are you staying within your niche? I mean, academia seems to be the focus. Uh, is that... Is that something that you intend to stay focused on and let others move into other directions, maybe building on it? Yeah, so I, this is my third company that I've, uh, th third, uh, with my Blindside Networks head on, it's my third company I founded, co-founded, and uh, I learned a long time the necessary focus. So here's, here's how we look at it. If we provide a really good solution for online learning, K-12, universities, corporate training, and it covers the core audio, video, slides, chat, desktop sharing with record and playback integration, then we can build a presence in that market and become a market leader. In doing so, we're obviously solving the same types of problems, collaborative problems, in other markets. It's just different context. But our focus, our product, mar our product design is based around online learning. How can we provide that remote student a high-quality online learning experience? So our intent is to continue to focus and we see lots of companies taking Big Blue Button and applying it to other areas, which I think is awesome. I mean, we can't do everything, so do you do lots of things and none of them very well, or do you focus on one market, be successful, and then obviously grow from that market? So that is our strategy. Excellent, excellent. And um, let's see, we have quite a panel before us now. Wow. Um, you guys are all muted. You want to step in and... and uh, Pose, pose your questions, make your comments, uh, state your no, no, observations no, 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 no. and experiences. Go right ahead, sir. All right, so I'll just, um, you said it's based on FreeSwitch, so does that mean you can also um, join these sessions from, not from the web, but for example, from a hard phone or other devices? Yes. We, we know companies that provide hosting for BigBlueButton and they provide dial-in numbers as well. So, you know, the, the great thing about it is the WebRTC is freaking amazing. Like, again, the Moodle conference that's going on right now using Big Blue Button, they have presenters all over the world, Denmark, Australia, South America, Canada, all these far-flung places. And the, uh, the quality, quality is amazing. So, I, I, it, but it's great that FreeSwitch, it's great, to, it's great, I mean, we're very much pleased with the choice of building on top of FreeSwitch because it provides the option of providing the dial-in numbers. But we just see them used less and less because the, the WebRTC-based audio is just so good. Go ahead, Brian. So um, you, you did notice we released FreeSwitch 1.6 yesterday, which is the video branch. Um, when can we uh, expect to see some of those uh, new enhancements integrated into BigBlueButton? Man, we're working on it now. Uh, what we're going to do first is... For us, the desktop sharing, we use Java for desktop sharing, and again, we're pragmatists, it works, but we really want to use WebRTC. So the first goal is, can we just use the, free, the video and free switch to support WebRTC-based desktop sharing? And because you're getting you got a VLC in there and you can set it an RTMP stream, that's what basically we're wiring up right now. And then the next bit would be is, we would then use it for the video. So obviously, if you're on an Android tablet, you're going to share the video to WebRTC, our Flash client, we'd share the video through WebRTC. We get back that beautiful multiplexed view that you've got, and now we've got parity between both the HTML5 users and the Flash users. So that's kind of the two-step that we're working on, and we're working on it right now. If I picked up the laptop and walked into the next room, I could show you the developers who are working on it. But, yeah, like, uh, we think we made the right choice by far building on top of FreeSwitch. So just when we needed more video, you guys have been working away at it. Um, so are you going to be making it to KluCon this year? I have camping with my family at that point, and I have a, hier I have a hierarchy of needs. Uh, so I, can't, I cannot go. I think we're going to be more visible in the, on the weekly calls and maybe more one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm not sure if anyone's going to be able to make it, the, just because of how the schedule works. So uh, we've got to figure something out, but we actually may not be there, but we are working with it full-time, Brian. 
you guys should be aware that uh, in the last couple days we checked in full RTMP video support as well. Nice. Nice. So, um, and also, VLC will do the RTMP streaming, but you should look at the LibAV way. It looks like it's more stable and less heavy than the VLC one. Cool. I'll let the guys know. Yeah. That's the piece that we needed because it gets us right back into the video. Uh, so other users who are Flash-based see it through RTMP. Other users who are HTML5-based see it through WebRTC. And uh, that's what we want to achieve. Great, guys. Good work to you. Awesome. <clears throat> All right. Any further questions? Particularly anybody coming out of ZipDX, star six to unmute yourself if you're interested. Um, if I wanted to spin something up just to play with, uh, is there a VM I could grab, or do I have to do it piecemeal, or what's the install process look like? So uh, we actually had a VM for the last release. I'm, I'm still on the fence whether to do a VM for this release just because we it's so easy now to spin up a... a a clean Ubuntu 14.04 server, and then there's a couple steps we have in the documentation, and you know you take about the way we like to say the Big Blue Button is we guarantee that you can install Big Blue Button on your system in half an hour or less, or we give you your money back. Aha! Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar to our double your money back. There you go. Exactly. You know, like what other open source projects give you this level of guarantee? Really, I mean, so it wouldn't take you too long to set it up. It's a kind of satisfying experience. I, there's a video online if you Google YouTube, like install Big Blue Button. Uh, I did a video where I literally just started to capture my screen and walked through the entire installation step by step. So watch that. Do it on your own system. You should have a Big Blue Button server up and running shortly. Is there much environmental variability on it? Does it does it vary from from site to site or distro to distro? We only support actually one distribution. That's uh, Big Blue Button. That was Ubuntu 14.04 64-bit. So again, we actually years ago used to do a CentOS version. It took us about two months to develop it, test it, and so on. And at that point, we were like, Ugh, you know, do we want quality or do we want quantity? Do we want money distributions or do we want a really good so we would just recommend you do Ubuntu 14.04, 64-bit. Uh, we're looking at other distributions in the future, but that's the one you would do. Follow the instructions, and again, you should have it running in 30 minutes. And then you've got full web conferencing system. Pick your favorite front end, WordPress, Moodle, Sakai, or build one with the API examples that we build in with the, with the distribution, or go through the developer docs. There only are about 12 API calls. Create a meeting end a meeting, join a meeting, get meeting info, um, get the recordings, uh, get meetings, get meeting info, get the recordings, publish a recording, delete the recording. Those are pretty much it. And it's, it's pretty simple uh, HTTP-based API. Okay, if you have a question on ZipDX, I saw you open up there, go right ahead. Yeah, I was just wondering about um, uh, two things actually. System requirements was one. What what kind of server uh, for? I mean, do you have like a baseline uh, requirements as far as you know up to ten users or something like that? And also, um, I forgot what the other question was. So you can answer that one. <laughs> okay. So the the installation documentation lists sort of the baseline. I mean, in broad strokes, we recommend a quad core okay. server, at least four gig of memory. Uh, Ubuntu 14.04, uh, 64-bit, 100 megabits symmetrical bandwidth. You know, you, you want to have bandwidth to your Big Blue Button server. And and then, actually, you always recommend a dedicated server. And partly that's, and I can throw this out to the FreeSwitch folks, partly because we, we believe that FreeSwitch runs better on dedicated hardware because of the hardware timer. So uh, we know people, lots of people run it on Amazon. We always recommend, if you're going to use a Big Blue Button server in production, Partly because of free switch and the efficiencies of it, run it on a dedicated server. But I'd be interested, uh, Brian or Ken, are you guys thoughts? Like, would you still recommend running free switch on dedicated hardware over virtual machines? Uh, bare metal is preferred. Yeah. If you want it to, if you want to have performance, it is it is preferred. Yeah. So we we basically echo that because the free switch is free switch taking care of all the uh, the audio and soon to be more of the video. Uh, but we do know people, if you're going to test it, spin it up on an EC2 instance or, you know, Rackspace or anything and just 
install it. And uh, I know lots of people who use it on virtual environments. And the ultimate is, you know, does it does does it do what you want it to do? Um, the other question you're probably going to ask is, well, how many how many users could my server support? And we'll take guidance again from the FreeSwitch project in that we don't answer that question. We encourage you to test your server and determine how much your server will support. Um, but there's no hard-coded numbers in BigBlueButton that says, you know, it can't go above a certain user. You know, 21 webcams being shared. I've seen lots of meetings larger than 50. We have um, this, the one-way audio now, so it even reduces the CPU load uh, for mixing the audio. Um, I would not recommend using BigBlueButton for a webinar. Like, I'll have 1,000 users. By design, we did not design BigBlueButton to be a webinar application. If you want to do webinar, that's easy. You should have one person sharing their webcam and one person sharing their audio, and you just stream it through a content distribution network. If you want to have 20 people together all sharing their webcams, all talking at the same time, that's a harder problem to solve, but it's the one where you get the larger use cases. The, the tip of the pyramid in terms of large number of users is a very tiny tip. Most classes that we see are of the average class size is about 12 users. So if you have a server that you know, good hardware and bandwidth, and you know you're getting uh, more than much more than that in terms of the class. You have something that you can build an online distance education program around. It's a quite a different question too. Not not just what um, what kind of load will my server support, but what kind of load will my available bandwidth support? Um, presumably, yeah. there are handles to adjust or control this. So we we try to tune the big blue button server. So pretty much out of the box, it's it's ready. There's no there's no real dials to pull. You can tweak the underlying components. You could tweak free switch and so on. But you don't. No one. I don't know that anybody really does that very much. Um, in terms of bandwidth, you know, think of what WebRTC audio uses. Probably uh, seven, ten kilobits a second, uh, or maybe uh, I'm trying to think of here. I always have to go between uh, bytes and kilobits. Let's call. Let's call it 40 kilobits a second. Actually, you guys, uh, Ken or Brian, what would a, what would the average WebRTC audio stream use? Um, it's about the same as a ULAW call uh, with Opus. Right. Maybe 64 64k. Yeah, with, with overhead, you're probably in the 80 to 90 mark. Okay, so I know our video takes about let's say 300 kilobits a second. The audio takes about let's call it 100 kilobits at worst. You know, we recommend for using BigBlueButton the present the the users have 0.5 megabits upstream and 1 megabits downstream. So it's in our docs, but that gets you sharing your audio, sharing your video, and you're looking at other audio and video as well. I mean, usually users have like a 10 to 1 ratio. They have, you know, 1 megabits up, but 10 megabits down. So the real one is their megabits is up. And in terms of just making sure they have a good user experience, people would ask, well, what's better, wired or wireless connection if I'm on my laptop and I want to participate in the session? Well, Obviously, wired is better. Wireless networks are, you know, decent. I wouldn't recommend trying to teach an online class from Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks is good, by the way, but I just use them as an example. And, uh, you know, the bandwidth is to your server just as much bandwidth as you can get. We've ha we had people who this is this is less now, but over the years we had people who were like, you know, my my server seems to be you know only supporting the X number of users, and find out they have it on a 10 megabits connection. No, you really want 100 megabits. And if you're going to do a large number of users, more bandwidth. It's, it's not hard to get a server these days that has a dedicated server that has 100 megabits symmetrical or more. Sure. Incidentally, that lesson of, of uh, wireless versus wired, um, wireless or Wi-Fi seems to be pervasive. It's everywhere. And it's, it's coming into the collective consciousness as, as it's just there like air. Um, yeah. And yet... You know, you can't, it really can't be relied upon. If, if you're the teacher, if you're the presenter in a webinar, some, something this, this sort of thing, um, and you're doing it you know, over Wi-Fi that you don't own, you know, if you're at a Starbucks or a public place right. or a hotel or something like that, um, you're inviting disaster. Um, yeah. That said, my wife hates wires, but we still have a lot of them, and, 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 and wires don't, hiccup or fail or get shared in the ways that Wi-Fi do. So we, we like yeah, wires a lot. I mean, we always say, look, if you're going to teach a class online with 50 students, you know, give the students a chance to set, set themselves up ahead of time. 
you know, make sure the instructor is well prepared. They're using, they've had a chance to test it from their computer, from their bandwidth, whatever location they're using. And like, if a student can't hear or whatever, or you know, don't freak out. Like, it's just you're doing it online. You know, they can refresh their browser. There's a recording. You have 50 people from different browsers, different computers, different network locations. So I think if people realize that, yeah, like this is pretty good. You know, where I'm able to to teach my students online in a way that was wasn't possible. Uh, not too many short years ago. And the thing is, the trend is getting better. Wireless gets better, bandwidth. We were talking before the call about you know, how the bandwidth has just gotten better and better over the years. So we see the infrastructure getting better. We see computers getting cheaper. We see it easier to spin up instances and use something like Big Blue Button. And I think the trend is in the right way. And you know, with, with the work that we're doing, the HTML5 client, and later on a mobile client, we see lots more people, I think, just going to try the project out. What what does a mobile client mean for you guys? Is it is it kind of like a captive browser uh, thing? Uh, is that sort of the core of it, or is it going to be something more evolved than that? Um, so right now we're thinking very much on the HTML5 client, and that will be launched from a browser, runs in the browser. A mobile client, there are, Adobe does provide tools to take an HTML uh, a Flash application and cross compile it on Android and iOS, and it actually does a pretty good job. So we're looking hard at that because if we can do that, we can share a lot of functionality. We don't have to rewrite a lot of code. And in the end, we're pragmatists, right? The users don't care when they launch that Android app or the iOS app. They just want it to work. So we can see some good progress in the HTML5 client. And there's already a developer release out there that if folks want, just go to bigbluebutton.org and click on Docs, and you'll see all the documentation with links to it. And there will be work on a mobile client. And we can imagine ourselves at some point writing uh, a mobile client, you know, natively instead of cross-compiling it. I would just love to see a really good WebRTC-based browser on iOS. That would make me very happy. I think you're not alone in that. I think yeah. a lot of people would like to see web, but that's that's kind of one of the reasons one of the reasons why I ask whether because a, a lot of apps it seems are really just a captive browser there. You know, a browser that's their browser core with a UI wrapped around it. That uh, the Tim Pat's Neopad app is an apple. You no, know, if it works, yeah. Like we we don't want to we don't want to rewrite Big Blue Button just for one platform. I mean, if we have to do it, we'll do it. Damn it! But we would rather just uh, you know leverage as much as we can so that the most amount of users have a really good user experience, and you know we'll we'll do what we got to do. Uh, HTML5 first, uh, iOS second. That's just the pragmatic, pragmatic approach to it. Oh, the question comes up out of IRC. What about Bowser? Does Bowser work with Big Blue Button? Mm, I know of it. In fact, we were kind of we we poked at it every now and then. It's probably due for us to take another look at it. I I don't have an answer to that. I'd have to try it out. It it does not work. And if you compile it from source, if you can. Um, that doesn't work either. So. <laughs> okay, well, you should save me some time, <clears throat> Ryan. Thanks. It was definitely an ordeal. I, I, when I looked at Bowser when, when the folks from Ericsson made a guest appearance here, and I tried to, to use a few things that I was familiar with with it, I couldn't get any of them to work. I thought, okay, it's, there's some magic to this that I don't have. I, I'm glad that it didn't work for you as well, because at least I'm not being that much of an idiot. Yeah, like if anybody here on this call has some really good insight on how to get uh, an HTML-based application that uses WebRTC to run on iOS, I would love to talk to them. Uh, All I think right, there's some we... coyotes in the background. The silence was deafening. <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that request. Yeah. We. I just got an IM from Randy, who may try and join us momentarily from Berlin, Camellio World. Uh, ten minutes to the top of the hour. So um, this is this is all very interesting. I may yet have to spin up uh, an instance of this to play with it. Um, my particular angle on it would be wanting to add multiple audio channels in support of multiple languages and interpretation on the fly. Um, that's a sort of a, a ZipDX specialty. Um, we're not far away. Like so, closed captioning for us will be multi-language. So we have the front end and back end. So the idea is that 
a cartographer or a stenographer could come in, create a channel, other users could subscribe to it, and they would see the closed captioning for English or French. And it's not too far away to just say, well, we have other audio channels. And FreeSwitch provides some nice capabilities, which we haven't yet built on in that area. But yeah, maybe, Michael, you, you see something and other people want to jump in and help out. Cool. Hey, Randy, trying to join. I don't know. <laughs> I'll wait till Fred's done. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm just answering questions. How about anybody else in the free switch team? We don't. We seldom get so many free switchers into the hangout like this. I was wondering about that. <laughs> Got a late start, I guess, though. No. How's everything in Berlin? It's wonderful. Uh, I didn't want to interrupt Fred because I wanted to tell you a little bit about uh, what went on. Uh, we had a great time. It's just finished, you know. I'm dead, as you can see by looking at me. <laughs> how, 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 how was the wine? No wine. No because, wine? Yeah, because carry-on luggage only. Oh. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Of course, if I was going to Klukon... <laughs> that would that would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. You were drinking pink drinks with JB. <laughs> no, no, that's not my thing. <laughs> tell you what, gentlemen, why don't we wrap up this public part of this, and we'll uh, we'll let YouTube go munch on it, and then uh, we can come back and and uh, chat with Randy and others. And so, thank you, Fred. It was wow. nice to catch up. You remind me that I need to pay more attention to things that you guys are doing up there. You also remind me that. Um, I kind of miss my uh, uh, Canadian roots a bit. <laughs> You're welcome to come back anytime, okay? <laughs> All right, folks. We will not have an extra today, so we'll just wind it down and be right back. Hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. Thanks to Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our host at PBX is provided by OnSIP.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.